0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Maths Lessons, a podcast all about married at first sight. And I know what you're thinking, Cy Beckwith suddenly sounds a lot better educated. (laughs) But uh, actually it's me, Omar Abid, I'm sat in the big chair today, hosting, but I'm not by myself, I'm joined by the beautiful Kelly Rickard.
1: Thank you, that was a nice little intro, nicer than Cy gives me.
0: Yeah I know, he's he's quite mean to you. (laughs) They call you a Welsh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Big episode today, isn't it?
1: Big Huge.
0: Do you want to tell them what we've got?
1: We've got Charlene Douglas.
0: The Brilliant. Charlene Douglas, one of the experts from Married at First Sight. Uh, we've already had Paul, so it'll be great to get her insight as well.
1: Well, I think hers might be even better because she's a sex expert.
0: <laughs> You're sex
1: obsessed. No, I'm not. I just, how do you become one and what does it mean? I'm very excited to find out.
0: Yeah, you want to get all the grimy details, <laughs> <laughs> which I do too. So without any further ado, let's talk to the wonderful Charlene Douglas. So welcome to our very special edition of Maths Lessons and we have one of the principal players in Married at First Sight, uh, the intimacy coach Charlene Douglas. Welcome Charlene.
2: Hello, welcome. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Really excited to be talking to you guys today. So, uh, yeah, couldn't sleep last night. I was so excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's great too. Very exciting for us as well. So, without further ado, Kelly, you have the first question.
1: I do, Charlene. I am so excited to talk to you because you just sound like you have the best job ever. (laughs) Like, sex therapist and intimacy coach. So, my first question actually is, is about you more than the show. I wanted to know how you came to find this career. What prompted you to kind of... um jump on this career and also what sort of qualifications you have to have it just sounds amazing
2: it is it is an amazing career to have so it's interesting because I suppose when you're young you don't um, ever expect to be doing this as a job Um, you know the careers advisor just you know they don't give you this as an option necessarily do they so a bit of a weird one really so I started off working with young people um, doing like sexual health talks so things like condom demonstrations, the right type of contraception, how to choose the right types of relationships, etc. cetera. Um, and I think from that, I just realized that actually there are so many young people that have the same kind of questions that adults have around sex and intimacy. And then my journey started, and that was about 10, 11 years ago. Um, and then I decided to be a life coach. And then I decided to qualify in sort of psychology, so do the counseling element. And then I thought, mm, I need a bit of a niche. Um, and then someone said to me, "Oh, why don't you try sex therapy?" And I was like, "That is a job for me." Yeah. <laughs> um, did a psychosexual qualification, and um, and here I am.
1: Oh wow, that's brilliant! It's so nice to hear about the journey. And how you came to end up doing this, and so you have your own sort of personal clinic that you run alongside the TV work that you do. Then,
2: yeah. So um, I I have a private practice. I work with individuals. And I work with couples as well, um, dealing with all sorts of issues, which um, I'm sure we'll we'll cover at some point <laughs> today. Uh, all the exciting stuff. It's interesting actually, because because people often think that. Um, you know, I just always get to hear all the juicy sexual details, which I do as well. But, you know, I I deal with people that also have, you know, sexual trauma um, and real distressing sexual dysfunction. So it's not, it's not always like, you know, fun and exciting in that way, but it's very rewarding because, you know, I get to help people, um, which is always, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So Charlene, uh, with that background, what is it you hoped to to bring to, to Married at First Sight? What is it that attracted you to, to go on the programme?
2: I think what I've realised with a lot of shows, they will have conversations around relationships, around how to communicate effectively, how to build trust, maybe those types of things, what you're looking for in a partner. But I always felt like the conversation around sex was just missing. You know, and there is still such a taboo around sex. Everyone has it. You know, we've come onto this planet, you know, because of someone having sex. And yet it's something that we don't really talk about. Um, And so I want to be the one to talk about it and to, to ask, you know, how the sex is going and, you know, what's going on with the intimacy. And of course, on the show, you've got people that have just met. So the sexual spark may or may not be there you know people work at different paces so yeah there's lots of co- conversations to make sure that they are comfortable with the world of sex um, and that and that was my role I
0: think it's uh, I think it's one of the things that sucked people into married at first sight actually is that often the entry point is some bit of crazy drama but then you end up talking about bigger issues like you say um, sex and uh, toxic masculinities come up in this series you know it's it, it's surprising how broad the range of subjects
2: are yeah I think that you know Mel Paul and I we came onto the show with an um, the idea around making sure that it's educational for people as well so of course it's entertaining and there's lots of entertainment lots of drama on the show as you as you all know but hopefully people get that educational element from it as well. You know, I know for myself, when I work when I worked with the couples, I could see myself in some of some of the individual stories, you know, and I've probably dated some, some of those types <laughs> of men that appear on the show as well. And so oftentimes we can relate to things that we see on TV. And I think or oh, I hope that people are able to hear what me, myself, Mel and Paul have said around relationships, around communication, around sex, around intimacy, what is and what isn't accessible in relationships. Um, and if we didn't say it, then our faces would have said it, because I think <laughs> one, one thing that's really clear um, that really came across is that Paul, Mel and I, you know, we are quite expressive. So if we're not happy with something, you'll see it on our faces straight, straight away. <laughs>
0: Well, Kelly and I tend to do the live tweeting during the shows, and I've got to say, I'm always looking to, for a, a reaction shot from the experts because it's gold. <laughs> the, the, look, <laughs> the look on your faces. I think the other night, um, the look on your face when Frankie tried to compliment Marilise
2: by saying she had a lazy eye.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> oh, do you know what? It's, it, you know, I, I see some negative feedback about... Frankie and you know when I'm out and about he's probably the the guy that a lot of people ask me about like you know is he the way you know the way he came across is that him and I'd say this I mean you know obviously we know in terms things that edited in particular ways you know to make a TV show but you know Frankie's such a lovely guy he really is and I think it's just that sometimes he doesn't realize that you know, in terms of what he said, like the impact of it, you know, like, yeah. I think that was actually a compliment about the eye. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was definitely trying.
1: Yeah, definitely. you brought me on to my next question there, actually, Charlene, you're talking about actually you from what you know of Frankie, he's a really nice guy. How well do you get to know the couples?
2: Well, I think, so we all do, um, so, so some of us do sort of more one-to-one work with the guys, um, and then we meet them at the commitment ceremony. We watch them at a dinner party. Um, we know a bit of their backstory as well. And um, obviously, you know, that Paul did some of the, um, he met with the families as well, so really kind of got to know them. So it kind of depends. And of course, like during the, um, you know, the non-filming times, we'll have like individual conversations with with them as well. Um, Just to kind of, you know, it's it's a it's a difficult process that they're going through as well. You know, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, they're just on there because they want to become famous. Well. What they put themselves through, I don't know if it would have been worth it just for the sake of fame. You know, they, they really stuck, well, most of them, really stayed with the process and listened to the feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy. And, you know, the likes of someone like Frankie, who's a little bit older, so he's got more life experience. I think it was tricky for him to, to actually sort of really listen, take on board some of the feedback. But he did it. You know, he did it in the end. And that, and that was really good to see.
0: Um, I'd like to come back to the to the matching process in a second, but just uh, again, like you say, everyone wants to talk about Frankie. Um, how difficult is it when on the on the uh, in the commitment ceremonies when he's not really giving you anything and you're trying to get in the, the commitment ceremonies we've seen so far? He plays that card a lot. I'm yeah. older, you know. You've got to give me respect, but he's he's only forty-seven, which you know I'm getting close to my forty, so I'm hoping that's not considered <laughs> too old. Um, How hard is it to to get something out of him in those situations?
2: You know, I suppose doing the work that I do, I'm used to this. I really am. I work with couples where oftentimes, with heterosexual couples, without fail, it will be the woman that wants to come to couple therapy and the guy is being dragged along. Um, And so usually I don't always get the male um, responding or kind of engaging. That's kind of what I'd normally experience in terms of what you saw with Frankie. So... I mean, I'd like to think I'm quite a nice person. So usually when people realise that I'm not here to to knock them down and break them down or to over-analyse them, you know, and that I'm actually on their side, usually they do kind of open up. And I don't know in terms of again, you know, I'm not in control of how it's edited, but what I will say in terms of sort of behind the scenes, although Frankie initially was quite uh, a bit reserved and a bit guarded and a bit nervous, I think. You know, it's quite a big thing, yeah. you know. Um, he did open up and he did um, warm up to the feedback um, and he did try. Um, so one thing that we sort of said to him was, look, you know, you need to really work on being open, emotionally, like just be open, open with your feelings. There's nothing wrong with that. And he he tried it. And maybe he tried it with the whole lazy eye thing. Maybe <laughs> like that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, a clu- so, you know he, he was trying it. Bless yeah,
0: him. <laughs> a clumsy first attempt at opening up, but yeah. an attempt nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask yeah. about the the matching process because with yeah. your your role being more about the intimacy, how do you assess that? when you're trying to match people? Because, for example, the first couple that spring to mind are Josh and Amy, where he's, yes. in, he's not meeting her her needs in terms of, you know, touchy feeliness, I guess.
2: Yeah. I think the thing is, is this, that with um, any matching process, you can only go with what they tell you, right? Like, I suppose if we really had a lot of time to match people, then you would spend weeks and months with them, really getting to know them, getting to know their family, getting to know what their triggers are what you know what they react to, etc. Um, but you know, with the time that's available, it is about sort of asking them questions and finding out about their history, what they're looking for in a partner, maybe choices that they made in the past that they maybe regret. So all of that. So there's so much that's sort of uh, taken into consideration. And then from that it's you know how we you know and then we match people from there. So when you look at someone like Amy and Josh, of course as a viewers, you know, everyone's like wow I don't know how you match those two together, but there are elements of what they've said that would show that actually they work well, they could work, could, (laughs) could (laughs) potentially work well together. Um, So from an intimacy perspective, point of view, they are both um, quite sexual beings. They're quite comfortable talking about sex. Um, They are quite comfortable having sex early on in the relationship and and they don't feel, you know, there's no judgment or no kind of qualms about that. So that's really important. Um, In terms of exploring sexually as well, um, that's really important to them. How they look is really important to them. They're both quite driven career wise. So there are elements where it's like, okay, could work really well i think though um that josh as we can see he's struggling a little bit he's struggling with the the emotional sides like you know it's all well and good being sexual and being physical and being able to get that bit on point but it's that emotional element you know as as we said in the commitment ceremony if your partner's crying like noticing that they're, they're a bit upset you know as opposed to maybe talking to other people, but actually, you know, when you come back to the table, do you notice that your partner's energy is? I know he's not—he's not into the whole spirituality. <laughs> <or anything. laughs> you know, what? noticing the energy shift within your partner and just checking in with them—are you all right? And but I, I think he missed that, mm. um, and he—he and he felt really bad about that. I have to say, like again, I don't know if this was shown, you know, in in the footage, but you know, he—he he was quite sad about that—the fact that he'd missed that because he didn't—I don't think he realized that she was crying.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you mention Amy and Josh because they, they've got that sexual spark. They they kind of yeah. said that the sex was great. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got one of my favourite couples, Luke and Morag, who yeah. he would totally notice if she was crying, but the sexual spark there wasn't there in the beginning. And I wanted to ask you, because we've seen a lot of her uh, encouraging him to dress differently, change the way he is. Can a sexual spark
2: ever come from that sort of beginning? I think for some people it can. I mean, we, we've all heard stories where the spark wasn't there at the beginning and then they went through maybe some difficult times together. They realised how much they meant to each other and then all of a sudden the spark started to really, you know, um, powerfully emerge. I think with with Luke and Morag, it has developed, but I think Morag has to be careful that she's not so attached to her old way of doing things that she isn't then able to allow herself to be open and to see something beautiful in front of her you know and I think I think that's a difficult thing you know she's used to this as as as, uh, Paul spoke about this kind of toxic masculinity of the you know the big guy that's like you know not not answering your phone calls and (laughs) you know you don't know where you stand with them kind of thing and that's yeah, there's a sexy element to that to some extent. But then if you're actually really looking for somebody that you want to settle down with, someone that loves and respects you, someone that's got your back, like someone like Luke, is that's husband material right there, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: are you ever surprised, like looking at this group of women, almost universally, they all said at the beginning basically I'm into dickheads <laughs> <laughs> exactly the kind of person you just described do you yeah. just do you just kick your feet up at that point and you know what your job is you have to get them get them out of that mindset and just point to their previous relationship history as your as your mm. evidence
2: the thing is that as well I think I understand it you know, I'm not saying it's right necessarily, but there is a bit of a buzz where you get a guy that's a bit naughty, a bit unpredictable. Is he going to call you back? Is he not? And although we don't want that, I think there is sometimes that element of it's a bit of a buzz, like it keeps you on your toes a little bit. And I I know there's guys that have sort of said to me that have been the like real kind of quote-unquote nice guy. It's that maybe I should have married. You know? <laughs> but, you know, the spark wasn't there. The spark was more there towards somebody that was a bit like rough around the edges and so I do understand it but I do feel like if you're really ready for something more long term you have to start looking at things that are more important you're someone that really has your back you know, I know for for myself, I'm probably um, (laughs) sharing a little bit too much about my own story here, but I know that, you know, you you see people that that really have your back when you're going through a difficult time. So if you're, I know you've just lost your house, just lost your job and your guy is calling you and he takes on the issue as if it's his own issue, you know, he's really invested to make sure you're okay. Like Those are qualities that you're looking for, not somebody that just, you know, wears a nice t-shirt and has, you know, big muscles. I mean, I mean, that's nice, but you know, what's really important are all, all those other qualities, you know. And um, so, yeah, with with the, with the ladies on the show, I think it was about reminding them of what's really important. Um, and, you know, some listened and some didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a there's a, a fine line, isn't there, between being attentive and caring. And you've mentioned Luke and Kelly and I spoke about Uh, him checking with Morag that she's all right at dinner parties and things like that. It's a good example. But then crossing that line and going into, uh, I don't know, Bob crying every two minutes, it looks like. We all like Bob, but you just want him to stop, stop fawning on her so much
2: yeah it's it's interesting actually it's um in terms of feedback around bob it's quite split so um i've heard some people that have said you know he's such a lovely guy which he absolutely is i have to say the the sweetest guy um and people a lot of people love him more people love him but there have been feed there is feedback around you know you know he's crying too much and you know he's putting megan on a pedestal and he's not really respecting himself um I don't know. I think I think with Bob, he's just genuinely a nice person. He cares for people and he, he, he he's attracted to Megan. So, you know, it's her. It's Megan that's not attracted to him. So he's just living his truth. And I, I don't think you can be angry at someone for that. I also think, though, that what we need to challenge is this idea that, quote unquote, real men don't cry. You mm. know, and there's some alpha males that I've spoken to that are just distraught at the thought that he has cried more than once on camera um, over a woman that doesn't want him. And it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong in showing some real emotions. And, you know, I think sometimes some of those alpha males that are like, oh, you shouldn't cry, like that's not the thing to do. Well, you probably just show emotion in a different way and maybe in a way that's not really helpful or or healthy, you know. So actually for Bob to cry when he feels emotional, I I think it's an endearing quality
1: really yeah I do and it's not just I've seen him not just cry in his feelings for Megan he actually was really tearful when Taya was talking about her miscarriage which just that really got to me and as a woman who's had a miscarriage to see a man kind of validate her feelings that way and not a man who was going to get anything sexual from her that really warmed my heart I actually, so beautiful. yeah, so beautiful. And I had a question about Taya, actually, if that's all right. Um, because she's had a miscarriage and it's been brought up a lot. Are you concerned about her kind of still grieving at the start of this relationship? Because I am. I'm very worried about it. I just wondered what your thoughts were.
2: Yeah, I think with Taya, just to say, just before I mention uh, Taya's story, so there is a lot of support for the cast. I know that every show says that, but I could categorically say that I wouldn't have been a part of the show if I didn't feel convinced that they had support. So um, all of the cast, I contacted all of them to make sure they they were okay before the show went out and just reminded them to... Get in touch if they need anything. Um, I know Paul has been in touch with them as well. um, And I would imagine that Mel has also, you know, just make sure they're all okay. Um, The production team also have mental health support as well. Um, We've got a clinical psychologist on site. So they are fully supported in terms of mental health support. you know, they've given advice about how to manage the world of media, the world of social media. So they really are looked after and and, and very much loved. You know, we definitely see it as a married at first sight family. Um, and I feel very protective over them as well. I think with with Taya, she has been through this traumatic experience. Um, but she's also aware that she has us that she can rely on and speak to if she needs to. Um, and also what's really great is that that Adam is so loving, loving and so kind as well and very supportive so yeah we've kept an eye on on all the the cast members to make sure they're all supported Um, and yeah I I don't feel like I think Taya is grieving over the situation um, as is Morag with her dad um, but I thought like the support is is there for them, and if they want breaks, if they want to take a step back, they they can at any at any stage.
1: Oh, that's so good to hear. I mean, I, I think we thought it was like that, but it's lovely to to have you say that. It really
2: is. And I think yeah. as well,
1: as you were speaking there, I was thinking, actually, who doesn't have some kind of element of grief? You know, you're never going to find no. somebody who comes to you who has no baggage, are you? So. that's
2: the thing I think it's just recognizing that you know whatever it is that we've gone through it might sort of show up in a in a way that we always we can't always explain in our new relationship so you know Taya realized that she was quite tearful when she was sort of telling everyone that she wanted to have a baby and she didn't feel like Adam was sort of publicly saying I want this too Um, and that upset her and I think when you look at her story about the miscarriage and you know that the ex that sort of left you can sort of see actually it's really important for her to have someone that's really in this with her. And um, so, yeah, of course, all of us have stories from our past and it shows up in our relationships, but we just have to be aware of it, don't we really? And, and work through that. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what Kay has done.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Adam really stepped up there. Actually, I mean, we've had a bit of fun at Adam's expense, saying that he's a bit dim. Whereas <laughs> our, co- <laughs> our co-host Cy, really went in on him. It was all playful. And they've had a had a fun exchange on Twitter since. But he, despite him being quite young, he really showed there that he, t- he took on board what she'd said, and then sort of said publicly at the dinner party that he was, you know, he was. They were on the same page.
2: I know it sounds like I'm saying this about all of them, right? but Adam <laughs> is brilliant, right? Because so Adam is maybe a little bit more reserved, a bit more, a bit quieter, but he what he says, when he says what he says, it's so very powerful. So do you remember the part where he said to Josh? You know, like I think it was to Josh. He said, "You know, this is what women like. Like women like to kind of, you know, we really sort of touch their knee or make them feel comfortable." And I just thought, "Oh my gosh, that's so amazing!" Like, he needs to be next to us, one, one of the, <laughs> the experts because he's got it on point. And of course, it's not just women that like that, but but I would say as a woman that it is something that's quite important. If you've got a guy, it's nice if they hold holding your hand. It's nice if they put their arm around you, yeah, uh, you know, hands on your leg or whatever it may be. Of course, I'm not saying this is all women, right? So I just want to get it out there because there's some women that don't want to be touched. <laughs> put it out there. Um, so it's important if you're in a relationship to kind of make sure you know what your partner likes because some people don't like those sort of public displays of affection. So that's really important to make sure you know you know what they like. <laughs> but I think he said something really great and, and hopefully it helped Josh, you know, that, yeah, you know, when you're out with your woman, make her feel special by those kind of, you know, sort of, sort of non-verbal kind of, Cues, you know, like touching their arms, smiling at them, that kind of thing. So, yeah, we love
1: Adam. Team Adam here.
0: Yeah. Um, One other thing that's come up on the uh, dinner party this week, uh, the week just gone, was um, the men quite openly discussed how many sexual partners they'd had. Um, I say openly but they were all sort of hedging it a little bit some of them were lying i think bob <laughs> bob was the only honest one just like not many <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, fair play to him but yeah. Um, it wasn't a question that, that came up amongst the women or it didn't seem mm. to in the in the edit. That's a it's a, interesting that a group of men would talk would talk about that and that but that it wasn't shown shown with the women. Was that a was that an editing
2: choice or was it something that just naturally didn't come up? So um I suppose all I can say is that I wasn't one that thought of that idea. So um that's you know, make of that what you will, but I wasn't <laughs> the one that thought of that as an idea. Um I think it's yeah, it was very funny to watch. Um I think for me I'm always watching face expressions and body language I find that really powerful so you know everyone's saying yeah about 70 to 80 I'm like <laughs> no I don't know about that thank you they'll say that he's was higher so I don't know I, I, yeah interesting activity um would I have chosen that for, for a group of guys probably not yeah
0: I mean I think especially with the women there was so much drama with uh, Alexis and Megan. We needed to focus on that anyway, really. Um, yeah. What did you make of that, the Alexis and Megan drama? I think, um, I think there's a point where you can only... I've, I've had a, a bit of fun at Megan's expense on Twitter, especially. It's an, easy, it's an easy joke you can make. I mean, you know, calling it an affair, for example, is a bit much. She, you know, I, I understand they're in this process and things, but how many times can you
2: apologise, really, Okay, so you're more um, sort of on Megan's side with that,
0: would you say? Oh, I would say so. I think um, uh, there seems to be a bit of information that we're not quite getting, where Alexis is saying, you know, that you don't know my background and all this. And it was like, well, Megan isn't responsible for what's happened to Alexis previously. And she'd made Mm -hmm. a mistake and she's apologised. It seems sincere. Like, There's a point where you either have to move on or just stop going on about it.
2: So I would agree slightly. Um, only that, so Megan, I, I did feel sorry for Megan because you know, once you've apologised, what else can you do really? You know, she's apologised to Bob, she's apologised to Alexis, she's apologised to the group, she's apologised to the experts. So so I understand that. I think the bit that probably um made Alexis react was when Megan said, You made me do it, pretty much. And I know. you know. <laughs> that was I just that, a lie <laughs> yeah and and I was just like oh, did I miss a bit of the footage somewhere did, 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 <laughs> you, did you tell Megan did, I wasn't sure if I'd missed something but I think the thing is is this you know when you feel like you're backed into a corner and everyone's like you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you probably you know after you say sorry 10,000 times you probably just start to kind of go on the attack where it's like well you made me do it and you know whether she really meant that or not I don't know but I do, I think I feel sorry for both of them, I feel sorry for Megan that you know Jordan's now gone so he gets none of the, the slack at all she gets it all, um, she's very dignified, you know very apologetic, I love how she comes across I have to say Megan I think she comes across really um, really beautifully and she's really trying to do the right thing um, and she's made a mistake and she's, really, she's, she's apologised but I also do feel sorry for Alexis because, you know, she, yeah, she's had, um, I'm conscious that in terms of what's been shown on the on- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you guys know, Zayma? So let us just say she definitely had uh, Jordan who has rejected her. And let's say her and Anne at the moment are on rocky grounds. So she's in the place of feeling quite hurt anyway, um, and I think when you are feeling hurt, then all emotions are quite heightened. But I do feel sorry for her. You come on the show to find love and, you know, two men down you're still, um, you're being rejected. So that's yeah. not, not a nice feeling. And she's, she's a beautiful girl. So that's that's really hard.
0: I think that really has shocked you, hasn't it, Kelly? Just oh my how, how <laughs> Alexis is having a rough time because she's gorgeous.
1: I know I know, looks are totally subjective, but she's beautiful. She's like a Disney princess. And yeah. both, both men are just like, well, it's not much attraction. I'm like, what? I'm straight and I'm attracted to her. What's <laughs> wrong with you? like? <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's, uh, and, and that literally has been the feedback as well. Like wherever I go, Alexis is another. Alexis and Bob are the two that sort of come my way like, in terms of feedback. And everyone's like, "How are they not attracted to to Alexis? Like she's beautiful." And also, you know, of course, you see one side of her um, on on, cam- on camera, but she she's got such a sweet personality. You know, she's really funny. I love her laugh. Her laugh yeah. is yeah. You know, she's got lovely laugh, and she just wants to she wants to be loved, but she just wants to love someone as well, oh, like, and really give her all. And I feel like she just hasn't been given the opportunity to with these situations. Like, Jordan, I think, decided early on that he's looking for a blonde hair, blue-eyed woman. And so I think he was quite fixed. So that's what he's attracted to. So it was difficult for him, I think, to kind of, you know, sort of jump into the, well, maybe I could be interested in Alexis. Um, and then, yeah, and then with, with our aunt, I don't know quite what to say I think uh, and yeah and wasn't sure I think and yeah then and then he friend zoned her which is never a nice place to be is it when you when you like someone
1: no I I was just thinking as well you said about Megan coming across really well but with your Mm. experience in reading body language Bob and Megan's kiss was just crap wasn't it Like, obviously their lips met, but she couldn't have kept her genitals further away from him. It was like some kind of yoga move, like, in your experience,
2: (laughs) would you agree? It's interesting interesting that you say that, because I think with with that kiss, I was like, oh, oh, I couldn't work. I think my brain cells couldn't work out what was going on. I was just like, oh, (laughs) like each other oh like what was that about i don't know was it a kiss of friendship possibly was it a kiss of you know we're coming to an end let's just like say (laughs) goodbye Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who who knows um but you know i think the great thing with the two of them is that they're in a place of friendship which is nice they really get on i wish i wish the spark was there but um yeah it's it's not quite there
0: um talking about the kissing i'm not surprised kelly brought that up at all because she's obsessed with seeing the first kisses i love
1: it <laughs>
0: <laughs> um in terms of the production do you get to see those those where i know we you, we know that you don't get to go there but do you get to see that footage or is the first time you see them at the first dinner party uh
2: so the first yeah is at the dinner party so we did we don't get to see any of the weddings at all um which is why i was so excited to watch it and um see them all in their dresses and stuff so I, I did not get to see any of that so it's literally yeah dinner parties and then the commitment ceremonies so
0: so do you then when when you see the first kisses at the weddings that's you watch it on tv with the with the rest of us essentially what's it like at the dinner parties when people are coming in do you, is it just very obvious straight away whether there's a spark or not
2: with some of the couples, yes, um, I think like with Adam and Taya, it was like, and Dan and Matt as well. Like it literally was like sparks were flying, like st- straight away. Just the way they were looking at each other, like it was just, it was just magical. Um, I think there were some couples. I probably won't say which ones, but there were definitely some couples where I thought oh I don't know about this you know (laughs) there's there's, there's like classic like signs like you know if you walk into a venue and you know one person's in front of the other um you know you know those types of things or they're more excited about seeing you know all the other cast members all the other couples than they are about sort of coming together as a a couple and you know representing as a couple you know Mm -hmm. so yeah, there were some telltale signs, I think. But also as well, you know, you just don't know, because I think there are some people that, because they were really trying, they were really making the effort of holding hands and sitting close to one another. But, yeah, I think for some couples, the cracks started to show, because you can't pretend forever, can you?
1: No.
0: No, definitely. Um, so with the with the dinner parties as well, how long does that go on for?
2: How long do you have to sit and watch people get drunk? <laughs> so a good a good few hours um, of watching it but it's actually not um not so bad to watch it's actually really interesting because you know you just get to see it all like everyone interacting people's face expressions body language you know people it's funny actually because there are some individuals that are friends like some of the girls for example are friends but it's interesting to see like their face expressions when they're is saying or doing something, um, so it's just fascinating to just to watch it all and to watch it all um, develop. And also, like the co- kind of the the comparison between couples as well. You know, if you're if you're doing really well, and then you've come in and you know other couples aren't. You know, what do you then do? You've got to make sure you're not all over your partner because it m- might feel uncomfortable for the others. And equally, if you've met someone who you're not really happy with, and you're seeing all lovey dovey couples like the Adam and Taylor and Dan and Matt, it potentially make you feel worse, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a I,
2: difficult place to be.
1: Megan was the one, wasn't she, who went round to everybody asking, so are you in love? Are you in love? <laughs> Just looking for one couple that was less happy than her, or like less unhappy, more unhappy than her and Bob. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's Yeah. I felt for Megan though with that because I think that, I don't know if, I don't think she wanted company in terms of wanting another couple that weren't happy, but I think she just wanted that space to be able to explore, like, this is what's going on with me, like, what's going on with you? Um, but I think the, the way that it came across, it was like every couple that came through, what about you? What about you? And you? Do you love her? Do you love her? Are you kissing her? Are you in love? Are you? And I don't think she meant for it to come across like that, but maybe it just shows some of her anxiety I as mean- well.
0: I'll, I'll be honest. Again, I love Bob, but if I'd have just been on holiday with him, I'd want to spend time with anyone else ah, but watching his Jim Carrey routine.
2: I do. I think you'd really get on with Bob. I think because, you know what, he really brings you out yourself. He's so kind, so loving, very funny, really, really funny guy. But also he does have moments when he's a bit more vulnerable where he can be serious as well. But, and I don't know if this was shown on on the cam- on camera, but what I did say is that It's important that if you want a particular characteristic to come out in your partner, that you create an environment that feels safe enough for them to be able to do that. So as I say with Bob and Megan, you know, if you want to see the real Bob, not just the kind of the big Bob, as as he's called, Mm. but, you know, the kind of the vulnerable Bob, the Bob that's really honest and open and serious, then he needs to feel comfortable. And I think that he feels a bit on edge around Megan because he wants to make sure she's happy, wants to make sure he doesn't irritate her. But, yeah, it's important to be with someone that you can just be yourself with, right?
1: Yeah, you could see that on camera. I think we even mentioned it on one of the podcasts that his behaviour, bless him, got more childlike after she'd been putting him down. And I think it was that classic thing of he wants to be loved, so he's playing up to it. And somebody will love him. He's very lovable, Bob.
2: Oh, yeah. he's he's got lots of uh feedback feedback online I'm, I'm sure that you know he's probably getting lots of dms right now because he's <laughs> like you know it's like i know i'm saying this about all of them but it's like husband material he's like another luke you know it's like someone many women i'm sure will really appreciate that um and you know the women that was that have maybe said no i don't want a bob or i don't want a luke will be kicking themselves years down the line when they're stuck with Mr. Toxic Toxic masculinity yeah. out there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, I think uh, it, you know, yeah. If if
0: Bob plays this correctly, he'll be challenging Frankie numbers wise within a year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, but you do, but I think if Bob's that kind of person that he probably wouldn't want to, no. I think Bob's that kind of guy that wants to find that one woman that he can settle with and treat her like a queen. And I'm sure he would treat, yeah, the, the woman that gets Bob will be really lucky.
1: In your like professional capacity, Charlene, if you if you were presented with a couple like Megan and Bob, who one's more into the other one than the other way around, um, but they both want to make it work, what sort of advice would you be giving them?
2: I would say to take the pressure off trying to quote unquote make it work and just build the friendship you know build the emotional intimacy so do fun activities together share stories about past situations um you know do quiz games together you know like just building the emotional intimacy i think so often we focus on we've got to like them and I think Morag and Luke are doing that a little bit, where it's Morag was like, I just want to like him. I just want to, I want that spark to be there. And it's like, well, just take that pressure off yourself and just enjoy being in their presence and just see what naturally just comes. And if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But there's just so much pressure to like somebody.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think especially you mentioned the comparison before as well, that I think in that kind of environment, you've met someone for the first time, you're spending 24 hours a day with them, going away with them. Then you're comparing yourself to other people in the same situation. There's so much pressure that you put on yourself for it to be a successful relationship instantly. And it's not an organic organic way of meeting someone.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of pressure to to like the person, but I think it's kind of, I don't know how PG can, or non-PG I can make this, but it's kind of like what I described with clients with orgasms, right? Um stop me if I'm if I'm saying t- too much. You, like no. you can say whatever you like, honestly. I'm not going to play it for my uh, mom. You know, so. Yeah, well, I suppose I suppose it's the it's the kind of same thing with orgasms. It's like the more you put pressure you really, really want it, the more it doesn't happen. You know, and I think it's the same with like the spark and with you know getting to know somebody and, and you know and liking them. You know, the more you like really, really wanna like them and I just want to see something sexy. I just wanna like that's when you just put so much pressure on yourself and it often doesn't happen. It's when you just enjoy it. Just enjoy being with somebody, have fun. You know, I'm sure we've all had those moments where we've met someone that we didn't think we were going to like in that way. And then they just make you laugh and they're just there for you at the right time. And you just notice them in a different light and then magic happens. Well, with that pressure as well, it's something
0: I've, I, I see every series is that how young some of the participants are. And it's strange to me that they're putting so much pressure on themselves in their in their mid-twenties to be, you know, Taya has her reasons, which we've discussed. But um, otherwise, I just think, why are they in
2: such a rush? Well, I suppose maybe because we're a little bit older, right? We're probably thinking, Well, oh, you've got so much time, enjoy your life. But you know, I've got friends that, that got married in their 20s. That They're still together now, uh, 20 years later, um, and they've had a great time together. It's not been that kind of, we're settling down now, but mm. they've gone on holiday together. They've traveled. They've done fun activities together. They've only just had children now, but they've had a lifetime of so much fun. So I think sometimes we think that, you know, if you get married or you, you're in a serious relationship, it's like, boring time you know you, you know you're not having fun now but actually you can right yeah. um, so so I think for them it was that that's their dream to, to meet someone to settle down and yeah they are they're younger than me but well Frankie's not but <laughs> the <laughs> other's are younger than me but, you know they feel ready for it and I think that's the main thing isn't it they they, they want to and they feel ready for it
1: uh, yeah I mean I, I've i said before that I think age isn't that much of a number with this sort of thing because I am quite childish I will always be childish but I've had <laughs> friends who could have settled down at 20 and made it work like that, that's yeah. just who they are it's a bit like Adam he's a bit of an older soul in that way isn't he he is
2: yeah and he's never had a relationship before so I think it's, it's only being like casual relationships Um, But he's really stepping up to the game in terms of being a really good boyfriend, a really good partner. So I think the thing is, it goes back to like sort of rewriting the rules, you know, like people will say that, you know, maybe it's best to get married maybe in your 30s and maybe have kids like when you, you know, when you've had the fun stage of your life um, or when you've sort of completed the fun parts of your life in your 20s. But there's all different ways of doing it, isn't there? And is there a formula as such? probably not it depends on us as individuals and as you've said like there are people that we know that have been married for 20 years and they met in their 20s there are people that lived a quote unquote good life you know had so much fun and then got married in their 40s had their first baby 41 and then did that way round. so you just do what works for you really
0: yeah it's we had a bit of this discussion with paul as well where i asked about the about the age and do you think sometimes people think they're ready but they're not like i'm thinking of nikita um yes. and just all the drama that that came with her and even if she might have thought she wanted to be settled and everything like this it, it never really um it never really felt like she was, she was there for the right reasons, which is a classic married at first sight phrase. And that's then on social media, you get things of, Oh, she's been on this reality show, that reality show. It sort of opens her up to, to that kind of criticism.
2: Well, there's two things at play here, right? So of course, everyone knows that if you're on a TV show, particularly like married at first sight, you know, if you do things right, it could potentially catapult your career, right? You could do great things with it. Um, But that's not to say that you can't still want that, but also want love as well. And you mentioned Nikita. Nikita is someone that I know. Nikita wants to find love. She genuinely does. She wants to be loved. She wants to be in a relationship. Of course, like all of us, there are things that she probably needs to work through, maybe around like communication, when you're feeling annoyed or angry or frustrated, um, or when you're feeling hurt or rejected, like how to kind of sort of work through that. Of of course, you know we've seen that she she does need some some work around to do some work around that, but she wants to find love, and I think that yeah, you can still want a TV career and also want to find love as well. Yeah, um, can I ask, are you uh, are you from London? Yeah, East London, Essex. Right.
0: <laughs> so did you uh, did you have to ask someone what a knacker or a divvy was when she when no. she said?
2: No, not at all. I have to say it's really funny actually being on the show because obviously Paul's American and Mel's Australian. So there were times that things were said where, in fact, Paul seemed to know a lot of the sort of slang words more than the Mel. And I don't know, you know, if that's linked to sort of um, British shows in Australia and America, like how they're shown or where they're shown or whatever it may be. but I pretty much knew all of the slang words. There were, I can't remember what they were. There were a few from up north and I went to Manchester University um, oh. years ago, so I know some of them, but there were some where I'm like, oh, what's that? I've like, <laughs> not heard that before. I think some there were some things that Nikita had said and I'm like, I, I don't know if, I, if I've ever heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say that in London. So, um, <laughs> so there were a few, but, um, but that's what, I think that's what makes Merrill at First Sight, the UK version, so beautiful because... We've got all different dialects from different parts of the UK. Like, you know, we've got some the Welsh lads as well there. So it's it's fantastic. It really is like it, it's just so diverse. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been great to be on the show.
0: Yeah, it has. I mean, uh, with Luke, one of the one of the Welsh lads, that's been one of my standout moments. Is him sort of blossoming and coming out of his shell. A bit more because I think everybody wants things to go well for Luke and and Morag's again somebody who who I, uh, I make fun of but actually at critical moments she has said yes I'm wrong yes I need to change I'm going to do X Y and Z to do that so
2: that couple is
0: one that I think feel that they're kind of the heart of the show really
2: they really are I, I feel like Morag and Luke really represent so many couples that I work with um, where there's just maybe one partner is more into the other partner um, and really making that effort and partners wanting to change their partner. You know, I don't like what he's wearing. I don't like the way that he looks at me, the way that he breathes, the way that he throws his <laughs> air, you know, there's all, so, many, so many, the way he eats his food. I mean, some of them are just really like out there, but I think with Morag and Luke, and hopefully you guys are seeing this, they stay with the process and they listen And you can see that, particularly with Morag, she's doing things that she doesn't normally do for the sake of making it work and desperately wanting to be open to the process. So whether she stays with Luke, and obviously I can't say whether she does or not, whether she stays with Luke or whether she goes on to other relationships, I think that this whole process would have completely changed her and Luke um, forever, you know, in terms of relationships, 100%. Definitely.
0: I think at the last dinner party, the... um... The, the little speech he gave and he said however things go with us you have made me a better person I think that was a really beautiful Aww. thing to say
1: are you gonna He's cry yeah <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> <laughs> So I lovely. feel the same about the fact that we've had Charlene on the show, actually. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. Well, I think just to round things off then, I know you can't really give us any spoilers, but um, yeah, what can we expect from the last the last few weeks of Married at First Sight?
2: <laughs> more drama, 100%. <laughs> hasn't finished here. I tell you what, it's funny, because with the dinner parties, like you think, oh, okay, we're coming to the end now, so surely there's no more drama left. But no, like... I don't know, I don't know how the guys do it, but there's definitely more <laughs> to come, um, <laughs> definitely more to come. And then you've got the reunion as well. Can't yeah. miss that. Oh yeah. my
0: gosh. That, I mean, that's the big, that's the big thing when a series like this finishes, the minute it finishes, everyone's on Google trying to find out what's yeah, going on with the couple. So a reunion show is a, a great idea. Yeah, I, it is. I can't wait yeah. for that.
2: The reunion was something else. So, yeah, I, I obviously can't say much about that. But other than just shock is, is the only word I can say, shock.
0: So the reunion's already been
2: filmed? No comment. Just in <laughs> <laughs> you know case I'm not allowed to say you know? no anything. Yeah. Right. Just say the word shock linked to reunion. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um-
0: that's fantastic. I thought we were going to get a bit of a scoop from you, but you
2: stayed <laughs> on your toes. I had like Channel 4 onto me. Like, what did you just say? No, I, I, uh, no comment. <laughs> well, that
0: was fantastic. Thank you again so much for your time, Charlie.
1: Oh, wow. oh, thank you so much. It was lovely to meet you, albeit on Zoom, but thank you.
2: Oh, like, oh, like, it, it feels like the new way now, doesn't it? Like, I know. we're all making new friendships all by Zoom. <laughs> I mean, like, thank you for having me. It's been really lovely coming on and, and meeting you guys. So, thanks so much.
0: Thank you. That was great, wasn't it? Oh it was mint. She was so engaging, gave us lots of good information. Yeah,
1: lovely, lovely articulate lady.
0: What was your favourite bit?
1: Um so oh well I was quite intrigued by she clearly thinks a lot of Frankie. Like She really jumped to his defence. Yeah, she did, which
0: is quite interesting. I kind of wonder as the series progresses. She was similar with Megan, actually. Yeah. Like, maybe we'll see some more information. It's difficult for for the experts that we've spoken to doing this because they can't really give us spoilers, and I wouldn't want them to.
1: (gasps) But she almost did when she mentioned the shocking reunion that's clearly already been filmed. You could
0: tell she wanted to give us something there, didn't she? Um, Big thing is we've had PCB on. We've had Charlene. Yeah. There's only one more to get. Mel. Mel. If you're listening. Yeah. You've got to catch them all. Come
1: on. <sighs> yeah, that would be great.
0: If we get to talk to Mel as well. She's brilliant. The way she, um, the way she went after Frankie.
1: Yeah, she was great.
0: But like in a constructive way.
1: Yeah, as w- not the way that we do. <laughs> Just no. bullying him over yeah. the airwaves. I mean,
0: this is a blatant attempt to flatter her and butter her up so that she'll come on the podcast, but I, I have no regrets.
1: I know, and she's been looking lovely lately on the series. <laughs> All right, <laughs>
0: that's enough. All right, well, that was a great episode, and uh, we look forward to seeing what's to come in the next week. So, maths lessons, I've been Omar Abid.
1: I've been Kelly Rickard. I still am Kelly Rickard. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>